and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we're set to go against the spread on this, the final week of the 2017 college football season and the opening week of the NFL football playoffs, this being our final show for this 2017 football season. And with it, Victor, I want to welcome you aboard, wish you once again a happy new year. I hope your holiday was good, and we'll look forward to covering the bases, if you will, with all the football games on tap this weekend. You got that right. New Year's Day was uh, fantastic, and for us here, this is no longer the penultimate show. It's the ultimate show, the final show of the season. A good finish for all of the playbook newsletters. I do have to add that the bowl stat report turned a profit with the best bets. Mark's midweek alert brought home winners last week with Georgia over Oklahoma and the Arizona Cardinals over Seattle in the NFL. Total's tip sheet finished with a uh, profitable season and a profitable final week of the regular season. The playbook newsletter as well with a very good finish as we transition from an all-football publication to an all-basketball publication. And, of course, uh, we can't forget about happy endings. We all love happy endings, and New Year's Day certainly was one. We have to congratulate Mark for nailing that 10-star Bowl Game of the Year winner, Notre Dame, in outright fashion over LSU in the Citrus Bowl. And uh, you even covered the spread with Georgia somehow as they got a <laughs> touchdown in double overtime to not only beat Oklahoma in the highest-scoring Rose Bowl of all time, but they covered the spread as well. And for over-under betters, that was our uh, college football bowl game of the year over the total in the Rose Bowl. We did the same thing that we did last year when we went over when USC played Penn State in the Rose Bowl. They combined for 101 points. And guess what? This year had 102 points, the highest scoring Rose Bowl. A lot of fun to watch. And a great way to finish the college football season. You know, there's a little bit of a letdown here with the regular season over in the NFL and the college bowl season almost all finished. So you do get a little bit of a sense of a letdown. But the great thing about our business is there's always tomorrow's games. There's always a new sport. We got NBA. We got college basketball. We got a four week NFL playoff coming up. So there's always something to look forward to as well. I agree with you, Victor. Uh, a little bit of a letdown because we are big football purists here, as our listeners well know. We love the sport of football. and It's almost with a tear in our eye when the season comes to an end. This will be our final podcast show for this football season. As we mentioned, we'll be coming back the 1st of March for March Madness to do our special March Madness against the spread podcast as well. But between now and then, we'll get ready for basketball. And as you mentioned, it was quite an exciting weekend of College football bowl action. That 10-star Notre Dame play was indeed 
something that was got me jumped up out of my seat when Miles Boinkin from Notre Dame made that fantastic catch. Uh-huh. I gotta mention, I gotta mention this. We've got two guys in the office that have had some cardiac uh, procedures, uh, heart attack uh, victims, Victor and Jeff, in our office. <laughs> so plays like that, I'm sure, didn't serve them well, but it did our customers. And uh, tip of the hat to Notre Dame. By the way, guys, I don't know if you're aware of this, but that was the only time Notre Dame had dressed up as an underdog this year. They were one of only four football teams that were never underdogs all season long. So tip of the hat to them on a job well done. And on the other side of the college football bowl card coin, another tip of the hat I have to give to Scott Frost for staying aboard at UCF uh, to help this football team go from zero to hero. They went from zero wins when he took over to a 13-0 and season when he left. And in fact, Central Florida's big win over Auburn you got to go back to uh, since 1998. There have been 10 teams that have gone undefeated in college football and have not won a national championship. That will be UCF this year as well, which also leads into the fact that we do need eight teams in a football playoff. How nice would it have been to have had to seen UCF and Auburn uh, in that UCF or in that playoff situation and Southern Cal and Ohio State? I mean, the ratings would have been through the roof had that occurred, but we can't pound it home, I guess, to the guys that uh, are the white elephants that make the decisions for the college football bowl committee. On the other side of the coin, I also want to say this terrible, terrible coaching job by Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Not only did the Wolverines blow a big 16 point lead to South Carolina and ruin what would have been a perfect bowl season for the big 10, he had a deer in the headlights look the whole fourth quarter of that football mm-hmm. game. It was unbelievable the choices that he did not make and those that he did. Uh, he, the bottom line is he deserved to lose the football game, and it makes one wonder, you scratch your head, how long he will remain at Michigan as a head coach. I know with National Football League coaching changes abounding now, and there's talk in the air that he may be a prospect at Indianapolis to, Colts, uh, to coach the Colts, but uh, – you know, the bottom line is, uh, if you look at his record here of late, he's only 9-8 and eight his last 17 games, and he's never beat Ohio State. I just don't know how long at Michigan they're going to want to tolerate that. I think the love affair with Jim Harbaugh is worn off uh, in Ann Arbor as far as that is concerned. And also, Victor, there were some coaching changes again. Rich Rodriguez at Arizona out. Uh, I don't think we were too surprised to see that he's out. It's just the manner and the reason why he's out, mm-hmm. not because of not because of lack of performance in the field, but he's another one of these victims, self-made victims for sexual harassment. So good riddance, goodbye, Rich Rodriguez. I just wonder if we're going to end up seeing any other college football coaching changes. Your thoughts on that, Victor, before we shift over to that NFL side of things. Well, first off, you're absolutely right about Jim Harbaugh, and congratulations to all the Gamecock fans. Uh, uh, They had no shot at winning that game, but they scored the last 24 points of that game. Uh, they got outstatted by Michigan, but still came back to win definitely. And uh, in terms of the coaches, well, we talked about the uh, jobs open in the SEC, which which Jones fired and McElwain fired in Florida. And there's been some uh, very good hires up until now, but uh, there still might be an opening or two coming up. Uh, as you mentioned, the Arizona job is now up for grabs. Congratulations to Arizona State for getting their man, Herm Edwards, is a very, very good fit down there with Todd Grant being fired as well. So there still might be a uh, a vacancy or two to be filled, 
Arizona being the newest one. But uh, again, congratulations to, I, I, I think, a, a great hire there at Arizona State with Herm Edwards. Yeah, it's going to end up proving to be a good move for them. They weren't going anywhere as it was with Todd Graham. And, uh, you know, we'll find out how these NFL coaches adapt at college football levels. It didn't work out well for Jim Mora at UCLA, but Herm Edwards has been around the block, and I'm sure he's going to only elevate that football program as well. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And, Victor, over to the NFL side of things, and it was Black Monday for coaches in the NFL as well. Uh, Some surprises in the making, uh, some firings and some non-firings, if you will. Your take, Victor, on Black Monday in the National Football League this week. Yeah, if we've learned anything over the NFL owners in the last couple of seasons, it's that they don't waste time anytime anymore. When it comes to firing a course of coach, five head coaches were given their pink slips within 24 hours at the end of the regular season. There was a sixth that decided to do it on his own out there in the desert. I'm talking about Bruce Arians in Arizona and uh, also a a couple of uh, significant coordinator jobs that are now up for grabs. Uh, Dean Pease has had a fantastic career as a defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, and he has called it a career and done a fantastic job there with Baltimore. What's surprising is a guy who perhaps thought he may have been on his way out just got a two-year extension. That would be Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati, and it looks like he's going to be staying for an additional two seasons. Kind of surprising, again, considering the last couple of weeks. He was talking about, uh, of course, uh, a guy who was on his way out. Hugh Jackson's job is safe for another year in Cleveland, apparently, according to owner Jimmy Haslam. Vance Joseph was on the hot seat in Denver, but uh, John Elway was going back and forth with his decision, and he decided to keep Joseph for at least one more year on Monday. Not a good first year for Joseph going, what, 5-11, and 11, I believe, for the Denver Broncos. We know in Houston that Bill O'Brien has made it to another season despite what people call a toxic, perhaps, relationship with general manager Rick Smith. But I think getting a vote of confidence from the quarterback, Deshaun Watson, was definitely in Bill O'Brien's favor there in Houston. Uh, Colts, Chuck Pagano's out. Not surprising there. Oakland, Jack Del Rio is out. And guess who's making a run at John Gruden? That could be the biggest, definitely, head coaching news of the last couple of days. The surprising uh, turnaround at Cincinnati and the fact that it looks like Oakland is in a very, very good position to make a run at John Gruden. Yeah, how popular will he be in Las Vegas, John Gruden? Uh, you know, that's a rock star hiring, if you will, by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, it's all not quite official as we speak yet, but uh, the bottom line is it sure looks like that's the case. He wouldn't let Jack Del Rio go if indeed he didn't have – uh, pretty much secured the services of John Gruden, who, by the way, uh, one of our coffee club members texted this to me, and uh, you know I'll be passing this along somewhere along the lines in the Daily Coffee Club, uh, that uh, in his career, in his last 96 games with Tampa Bay, John Gruden was only 45 and 51. Uh, so he lived a lot off of what he did with uh, when he won a Super Bowl earlier on in his career. But uh, again, he went out in a sourful note, if you will, with Tampa Bay, 45-51 and 51 his last 96 football games. But I'm sure everybody in Las Vegas would be ecstatic 
if John Gruden ends up being their head coach there as well. We've also got, uh, of the 12 teams that are playing in the NFL playoffs this weekend, eight teams are new teams to the playoffs that weren't there last year. And if you haven't yet got a copy of this week's Midweek Alert newsletter, the Midweek takes over for the Playbook Football newsletter at this stage of the football season here. We'll be doing our first full-fledged Playbook Basketball newsletter. It'll be available this Thursday evening uh, just wall-to-wall basketball inside that newsletter. Our football newsletter is now the Midweek Alert, and in the Midweek Alert newsletter this week, uh, we talk about an interesting situation involving quarterbacks. It was uh, shared with us by Mike Maines. Mike Maines, if that name sounds familiar to our listeners out there, it should. Mike is our NFL guru in the Playbook Football Preseason Guide magazine. He does all the NFL preseason previews, and uh, he shared with us an interesting stat in the NFL playoffs this year about first-year quarterbacks. You want to learn about that in this week's midweek newsletter. Be sure to download a copy where we outline every NFL playoff and the upcoming college football bowl championship game as well. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our college football bowl game of the week. It's the one and only Alabama against Georgia. We'll do that and a whole lot more on this final edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. We're back after this brief commercial break. Hey, sports fans, football season is here, and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at mybookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll-free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at Playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this, the final ATS podcast for the 2017 football season. We're going to tear down the college football championship game on Monday when Alabama takes on Georgia, a matchup of two teams out of the Southeast Conference. Victor, your take on the Bulldogs and the Crimson Tide. Four and a half right now is the line of the game. Alabama favored just over a field goal, a little less than a touchdown, right in that uh, no-man's land there of four and a half points. As far as the over-under line, it opened at 45 as we record the show on Wednesday. It hasn't moved. Good solid line there at 45 points. So based on the point spread and the over-under line, anticipated final score, Alabama 24 and a half, Georgia 20. 
somewhere around that area. Alabama on the season, 5-8 and eight over under. Average line, 51. Average points scored, 49. Average Alabama game went under by two points. Georgia, similar numbers, 6-8 and eight over under on the season. Average line, 50.3. Average combined points, 52. So the average Georgia game actually went over by... What, 1.7 points per game. In non-conference games, Alabama went 1-3 and three over under, but in conference games, 4-5. and five, Georgia has had an up-and-down roller coaster type year in regards to over-under totals. They've started the season going under the total in each of their first five games. Then they went on a run in their next six games in which they went 5-1 and one over-under. And they have finished it by going one and two over under in their last three games. Of course, that one over was uh, last week's, of course, over the total in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. For the Alabama team, they have concluded the season with some strong under numbers. Two and six over under in their last eight games. One and four over under in their last five. And in fact, in their last three games, all three went under the total for Alabama by an average of 8.5 points per game. You saw how that resurgent Alabama defense with extra week to prepare, extra weeks, I might add, to prepare for Clemson, totally, totally shut down the Tigers, allowing, what, 188 offensive yards. Uh, in regards to team statistics, you got to kind of look under in this game. Alabama, number 27 offense. Georgia, number 31 offense. Defensive numbers, a whole other story. Alabama, number one, 11.1 points per game allowed for Alabama. And Georgia, right behind them, number six in scoring defense, allowing only 15.7 points per game. In regards to the series between these two, no, despite the fact they're both in the same conference, they're both in different divisions, so they don't play each other every season. They play each other once every, oh, two to three seasons. The last six meetings, five of them have indeed gone over the total when these two play. The last meeting was in the 2015 season. Alabama was an underdog against Georgia in that game. Final score was 38-10. to 10. The over-under line was 51. It went under by three points. But prior to that, the previous five meetings – had again all gone over the total and by an average margin of plus 10.0. Uh, with that said, I'm leaning under. I see a score somewhere in the area of 23 to 17, 24 to 17. A few more quick thoughts I have, and I'm sure you'll expound a little bit, Mark. Of course, Dick Saban, very, very dominant against former assistants as Florida Gator and Florida State Seminole fans know. I believe he's 11 and 0 now. In coaching matchups against ex-assistants. Uh, Jimbo Fisher this season over Jim McElwain in 2015-2016. And, of course, Georgia coach Kirby Smart worked under Saban, not just at LSU, but with the Miami Dolphins and at Alabama. You know, last week in our write-up on the Oklahoma-Georgia over, we did mention the fact that freshman quarterback Jake Fromm from Georgia uh, would be the X factor, and he was. He didn't look phased at the uh, Rose Bowl. 20 out of 29, 210 yards, two touchdowns. He does have the chance to become the second true freshman at quarterback to lead his team to the national title, the first being Oklahoma's Jamel Holloway. But then again, 
You know, Alabama's Jalen Hurts had a chance to accomplish this exact same feat last season. You know what happened against Clemson. Uh, as far as the venue, it's the beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Both teams know what they're getting into. They both played and won there this season. In terms of the Monday results of the college football bowl games, I think the big winner was the SEC, but I think the big loser was Auburn. The, the league was not great in the SEC. Of course, we know two of their brother programs, Tennessee and Florida, got rid of their coaches. So did Arkansas. So did Texas A&M. And in fact, the SEC went 2-5 and five in non-playoff bowl games. But it will have two teams playing for the title, something that hasn't happened since 2012 when Alabama beat LSU 21-0. And I mentioned I feel that Monday's big loser was Auburn. They started the day losing to a very good Central Florida team that you touched down in the top of the show. And, in fact, Auburn was the only double-digit favorite in the bowls that did not cover the point spread this season. In fact, they lost outright. Then they watched rivals Georgia and Bama win playoff games, and they'll have to host one, uh, the national championship trophy next week, a little bit of an ouch for Auburn. Uh, I'll conclude with this, Mark, the fact that neither team gives up a lot of plays on defense. On the entertainment side, if we're using the scale of the Sugar Bowl versus the Rose Bowl, I expect this one to fall a little bit on the sugary side. Yeah, it could be a very close game, but it'd be kind of ugly as well. We have the nation's number one and number three scoring defenses. They're ranked first and sixth in yards per play allowed. You remember those big rushing plays that uh, Sonny Michael and Nick Chubb came with on Monday? They oh, yeah. might not be there against the Crimson Tide. No team in the country allowed fewer rushes rushes of at least 10 yards in Alabama. who only allowed 30 such rushes this season. So I'll go back to 23-17, to 24-17. We still got four to five points of value. We'll lean under in the championship game. But you probably want to play it. I can see the line going down to 43 or 44 once we get to the Monday night kickoff. Victor leans under the total in the championship game between Georgia and Alabama, a matchup of two top five ranked defenses going head to head, both out of the Southeast Conference. Victor also mentioned Jake Fromm, the quarterback from Georgia, who has really, really played well. Uh, as a freshman here this football season here. And in fact, uh, there was a little sidebar note that we saw in the football game when we were watching uh, the big uh, Georgia-Oklahoma football game. And uh, mentioned Jake Fromm, that uh, he was a Little League World Series hero. Uh, he hit three home runs and had eight RBIs, struck out 11 out of 18 batters. So you know this kid is an athlete, and he won't be shaken here in this particular football game going up against Alabama. The Georgia Bulldogs come in this football season here. They've gone up against nine other bowl teams. They've won eight of those games on the scoreboard, six and three to the spread. They also outstanded eight of those nine other bowl teams this year. Kirby Smart, their head coach, who I contend is the most under-the-radar coach in all of college football. I think he's a terrific head coach. He's now outstanded 12 of the 14 other bowl teams that he's met in his career with the Georgia Bulldogs in his career with the Georgia Bulldogs. Kirby Smart, 3-1 and one straight up and 4-0 and oh to the spread against 900 or better opposition. The better the opposition, the better his team plays. We saw that against Oklahoma 
in that big Rose Bowl matchup or in that Sugar Bowl matchup. We also note Kirby Smart as a dog of six or less points. He's been there three times. He's won the money all three times. Alabama comes in with whining Nick Saban as their head coach, always complaining for every he'll hold. Even if he wins his football game and he hoists the trophy, he'll find something to complain about, the confetti being too much, something, whatever the case happens to be. But as Victor mentioned here, he has dominated former assistants in the past, 11-0 straight up, 9-2 and to the spread in those games. He's outscored those former assistants 427 to 111. That's total domination by Nick Saban against former assistants, much like Bill Belichick in the National Football League with the New England Patriots as he powders his former assistants in head-to-head matchups as well. Surprisingly, you take a look at Alabama this year. They're just two and six to the spread. I'm to the spread against other bowl teams this football season. Here they were one and six until they shut down Clemson in a football game that they won, that they wanted most of all. Nick Saban came into that game off a loss with revenge. Uh, he was really, really focused for that game. They are, in fact, though the number three team out of the Southeast Conference. Georgia, the number one team. Auburn, number two. Alabama, the number three team. They didn't even make the Southeast Conference playoffs, which is another argument all into itself about teams being in the playoffs that were not conference champions. These two teams have scored off against four other common opponents this year. In those games, Georgia went 4-1 and one straight up and against the spread. They played Auburn twice. Alabama went 3-1 and one straight up and against the spread, so that kind of evens out in their games against other common opponents. The bottom line to me is there is plenty of room for the dog in this football game at this line of 4.5. You're talking about a Georgia football team that went to overtime last week. I wouldn't be at all surprised if this game goes to overtime as well. And remember this, the underdog in college football championship games since this format began three years ago is 2-1 and one straight up and a perfect 3-0 and oh to the spread, dogs in championship football games. Small lean to the dog with Georgia, plus the points for me in Monday's big championship football game. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to take a look at a key NFL playoff game when the Carolina Panthers take on the New Orleans Saints in an NFC South Division rematch when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Hey 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King for the final Against the Spread football podcast for the 2017 football season. And with that, it's time for our NFL Game of the Week. We're going to go inside the NFC South Division in our NFL wildcard matchup this weekend when the Carolina Panthers invade New Orleans to take on the Saints. Victor, how do you see this game shaking down between the Panthers and the Saints? The over-under line opened 48 and a half. It's basically where it is right now, although I do see a couple of 49s. This line could be uh, working its way up. Uh, we've got the Saints uh, just about a what touchdown favored at home against the Carolina Panthers. When we review the series history between these two teams, it is pretty high scoring, and in fact, both of this season's earlier meetings did indeed go over the total. Back on the 24th of September, the game in Carolina, the over-under line was 46.5. The Saints pulled off an underdog win, winning 34-13. to The game ended up going over the total by a half a point, just a half. And then in the rematch played in early December in New Orleans with the Saints favored by 5.5 and, and the over-under line 48 the final score was 31 to 21, a Saints 10 point victory, a game that went over the total by plus three points. So, yes, two overs, but by very, very slim margins. With that said, six out of the last seven meetings here between these two teams have indeed gone over the total. Average line 49.2, average points 57.1. So, the average Saints Panthers game has gone over by more than a full touchdown at plus 7.9 points per game. On the season, both teams bring in identical over-under records of 9-7. and seven. For the Panthers, average line 43.7, average points 43.1. Their average game under by 0.6. For the Saints, average line 49.7, average score 48.4. The average Saint game has actually gone under by 1.3 points per game. When we do the home and away splits, it's uh, solid over numbers for the Saints, solid under numbers for the Panthers. At home this season, uh, New Orleans games have averaged 52.6 points per game, five overs, three unders. However, on the flip side, Carolina games have averaged only 40.7 points per game on the road this year, four and four over under. So we've got a case of two teams with significant defense improvement over a uh, one-year period. Last year, the New Orleans Saints were the number 31 scoring defense in the NFL. They allowed 28.4 points per game. What a big, big improvement this year for the uh, team there in the Big Easy. All the way up to number 10 scoring defense, allowing only 20.4 points per game. So here you got a team that's allowing eight points per game less than they did last year. Significant improvement over a one-year period. And Carolina's improvement has been pretty good as well, Mark. Number 26 in scoring defense last year, allowing 25.1 points per game. Tied with the Saints, number 10 scoring defense for the Panthers, allowing only 20.4 points per game. So on defense alone, they're a five-point-per-game better defense than last year. Uh, if you base your numbers on the series history, you may lean over. I'm going to kind of lean under a little bit. 
this over-under line is one that is reflective of perhaps a matchup from last season or 2015. It's not accounting very much for both teams and their defensive improvement. So if there is value on this game, it is on the under. And one thing that I queried out of our database, divisional games in the NFL playoffs, they've been pretty back and forth. But since the 1988 season, there's been 22 overs, 25 unders, two ties since 2012. So working our way back just in the last five years, divisional games in the NFL playoffs, zero overs, four unders, two ties. And finally, when these divisional games have a fairly high over-under number of greater than 45 points, they've gone two, nine, and one over-under. So while it's been a high-scoring series history between these two teams, right now my first impression would be to grab the value with the under thinking that the game line is three to four points too high. And that's where we'll lean right now on Wednesday is the Panthers-Saints under the total. Victor's going to lean under the total in the Panthers-Saints rematch of the NFL wildcard football showdown between two NFC South Division teams. This is indeed a rare same-season double revenge rematch, if you will, in a, in a NFL football playoff game. We called out in this week's Midweek Alert newsletter the fact that same-season revenge hasn't really meant a whole lot when it comes to handicapping the NFL football playoffs. This is a rare bird, however, where it's double revenge, same season between two division foes. Uh, take a look at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they closed out the season fairly well. If you take a look at at least their record on the scoreboard, they were 7-2 and two straight up in their last nine football games coming down the stretch. My concern, though, is when you look inside their stats, they really – began to have the wheels fall off. They were just 1-5 and five in the stats, won the yardage only one football game in their last six games since their bye week coming into the football game. So while they appear to be coming down the stretch looking pretty good, the stats say otherwise. You take a look at the New Orleans Saints in their last six football games. They, too, have been rather ragged. This is a New Orleans Saints football team that went 7-0 and straight up in ATS on a, on a great winning run from... Uh, the parts of October and November, but in their last six football games, they're just three and three straight up, two and four against the spread and in the stats. So a matchup of two football teams whose wheels appear to be falling off. I clearly think that the winner of this football game will be a one and done type football team advancing on into round two of the NFL football playoffs here. Uh, we also note that uh, looking at this football game, you're talking about the New Orleans Saints. In the series, they're just 2-2 two and two straight up their last four games when hosting the Carolina Panthers with only one win by more than three points. That was this year. And also, we also know from our Midweek Alert newsletter this week here that uh, there's a concern in the game here about the Carolina Panthers, who I happen to like as a side in the game, but the concern being the success of home teams in the wild card rounds. If you take a look at home favorites in the the wild card rounds who win the game straight up. I'm talking about a home favorite, not an underdog that pulls the upset. Home favorites who win straight up in the wild card round are 61, 14, and 4 against the spread. 
That's an 81.3 win percentage for NFL favorites who managed to win the football game in wild card rounds. You're talking about experience. You're talking about the Carolina Panthers in the playoffs, however, as they've been here four of the last five years have the Carolina Panthers here. And I hit on the fact about same-season revenge not being all that meaningful in the playoffs. Well, when it involves double revenge from the same-season division clashes in these games, these dogs that have the double revenge, as the Carolina Panthers do, if they're taking on an opponent that comes in off a straight-up and ATS point spread loss, these dogs are 11-2 and two to the spread with same-season double revenge in the playoffs. Put me on the Carolina Panthers. I don't think they'll take it three times in a row to New Orleans, who is not playing their best football right now. I'll play the points with the Panthers for my side in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And this is the final edition of Mark Lawrence ATS for this 2017 football season. And it's the final time we'll be hopping out to Las Vegas and checking with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on. Other than when we come back, of course, in March for our March Madness, Andy will join us for that segment as well. But for today, Andy Isco in Las Vegas for the final time this football season, Andy Happy New Year to you and yours. I hope your holidays went well, and I hope the football games are going equally as well for you as as well. Yes, Mark, it's been a nice wind down to the year 2017 and a good start to the year 2018. And I, of course, also extend my happiest New Year's wishes to you, your families, and of course, all of our uh, listeners. And looking forward to the third phase of the NFL season. You've got the preseason, you've got the regular season, and now you've got the postseason where the intensity level ratchets up just a little bit more than we've seen over the last 17 weeks. Four very interesting matchups this weekend because we have four games, all of which have point spreads roughly of between six and eight points. So number of these games that we thought might be competitively priced might end up turning out to be competitively played. But certainly from a nods making standpoint, the uh, games are considered to be rather one sided. You know, India was listening to uh, Chrissy Andrews from the South Point on uh, VSIN this week, and uh, I think he was talking about Gil Alexander, and he was talking about uh, the lines on the NFL football games this week and how they had to pad them a little bit this year, just given the fact that they know where the p- the public is going to bet these football games. And it's largely given the, uh, due to the fact of the success of these home teams in wild card rounds. They know where the money's going to come, so they're going to make you pay a little bit of a premium out of the gate, at least. Uh, for the majority of these teams. I don't recall ever seeing an NFL wildcard weekend where we've had four favorites of all arguably a touchdown or better. Uh, Is this the trend you're seeing right now? And uh, if that's the case, is there any value to be found in making cases for these underdogs? Well, I think historically, if you go back, you'll usually find at least one upset in the four games. In fact, I think it was two or three years ago, you had all four road teams win in the uh, wild card round. And then the following year, you had all four home teams win. Last year, I believe you had three or four Three or four of the games, I think, were blowouts, as I recall, in this round. And I heard you mentioning about uh, the success of uh, of favorites in the uh, in the wild card round. And looking specifically at the range of, of seven to ten points, or seven to nine and a half points, uh, going back to 1990, which is really where I consider this. Uh, era of wild card playoffs in 1990, they changed the playoff format, expanding from ten to 12 teams, which is the current format. Of course, back then you had six divisions and six wild cards. 
In 2002, they ex- revised uh, the uh, structure of the league. You had eight divisions with uh, four wild cards. But in that range of seven to nine and a half points, which we don't see very often, there have only been 20 such instances. And the uh, home teams are actually, excuse me, the favorite teams are actually 10 and 10 against the spread over that period of time. But as I mentioned, a very small sample. When you look at the number of teams that are favored uh, six and a half or less, there have been uh, something close to about 75 teams in that range of the 108 playoff games that have been played since, uh, wild card games that have been played since uh, 1990. So it is a bit unusual, but I think also what we've seen this year, certainly in the NFC and to a lesser extent in the AFC, a lack of parity. We've had dominant teams at the top. You've had the four top teams who are the division winners in the NFC. And then you add in Carolina and Atlanta, the two wild card teams who happen to have won the NFC championships the last two years. And then a huge drop off to the rest. In the AFC, it's a little bit different. You've got Pittsburgh and New England, and then a, a significant drop off in some cases, maybe not huge, but certainly significant between them and the three and four seeds, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. Uh, excuse me, Kansas City and um, uh, Jacksonville. And then a huge drop off between those two, those two uh, teams, the three and four seeds. And the two wildcard teams, Buffalo and Tennessee. So I think as a result of we've seen also how the favorites did this year, it kind of explains the uh, uh, the lines. And also, the best teams in the league this year were, I, quote, I say in quotes, only 13-3. and three. We don't have those 14-2 and two teams that we seem to have every year or every other year. No, we don't. There's a little bit more parity, it appears, in the National Football League these years as opposed to maybe somewhat uh, in the past, the most recent past, if you will. I'm visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and Andy also publishes one of the most outstanding weekly <coughs> excuse me, football newsletters, The Logical Approach Newsletter. And in this issue, Andy, this week, I know you also recapped uh, what happened in the National Football League this year, this year, as well as doing an outstanding job, I should say, in previewing the College Football Bowl games and the playoff games upcoming. And you also hit on the fact that uh, there was a spell in the National Football League this this year, uh, a little bit of a period of time where the favorites just absolutely dominated. And I think that also had something to do with what happened in the end result of the Superbook contest as well. If you would, let our listeners know about that little bit of a spell that run for favorites in the NFL this football season. Yeah, there was a period of time, as I recall, it was weeks 7 through 12, and the favorites just had a tremendous amount of success. I believe it was something like, uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I believe it's something like 45, 21, and 3. A little bit better than 67% over an extended period of time. I mean, six weeks, not quite half a season, but certainly more than 40% of the season. And that sort of set the tone for the year. Uh, the favorites were something along the lines of 131 winners, 110 losses, with 10 pushes in there. And actually, it's the 10 pushes that are kind of interesting. That's an unusually high number. I use, as I have for many years since the Stardust close here in Las Vegas, the closing line at the Westgate Superbook. 10 pushes is a huge number, but what it also means is that there could have been a half-point variance either way, numbers other than perhaps three in some cases, but even there you'd have two-and-a-halves and three-and-a-halves, and the number would close at three. So the results could have been a lot different depending upon how you did with the uh, with, with those 10 games that ended up on pushes. But for the most part, it was a very good year for favorites, but also at the same time, a very good years for under. So the books would have really been hammered if we had a significant edge between overs and unders as we did between favorites and underdogs. 
Andy Isco recapping what happened in the National Football League as far as favorites win. And Andy, I mentioned it, it probably set the tone, if you will, for the Westgate Superbook contest. And if you would, let our listeners know how that all settled out this football season here with that and the Super Bowl con- uh, gold contest as well. And I know there was a wild and wacky finish in the Super, or I should say the gold contest as well. Yeah, looking at uh, the results as we do each week from uh, first looking at the weekly results and year-to-date results for the consensus, which is the uh, the top five plays in the contest widely followed uh, in the uh, sports wagering and handicapping community. Last week, the consensus went three and two. The winning plays were on the Colts over the Texans, the 49ers over the Rams. And the Cleveland Browns finally got a nice cover, a little momentum, at least for their backers to end the season, despite what was a miserable season, as they covered the uh, what was plus 11 in the contest because that line came out before uh, it was made official that so many Steelers uh, starters would sit. They ended up still would have covering the closing number as well of plus six. So they covered against the Browns, the two losers for the consensus. The Redskins were a popular choice over the Giants, and the Panthers plus the points were a popular choice against the Atlanta Falcons for the year. The top five plays on a weekly basis, 40, 43, and 2. That's 48.2%, a shade below 500. The breakdown between favorites and underdogs when the favorite team in the game was the more popular choice, 73, 69, and 6, 51.4%. When the underdog was the more popular pick, 46, 54, and 2, 46.1%. Pick them games. The right side was selected four out of five times. There was one game this season that had an even number of contestants on both sides. So summing it up overall for the year, the uh, contestants in the 256-game schedule, one of which was an evenly divided game, the results were 123 winners, 124 losers, eight pushes. That's 49.8%. As far as the overall results, Granny's boy, who was a leader for the final couple of weeks of the season, ended up winning the contest with a record of 58, 22, and 5. That's 60 and a half points out of a possible 85 points, giving one point for a win and a half point for a push. Percentage-wise, that works out to 71.2%, which pretty much follows in the trend of the last four or five years. We've we've had some outstanding results one year over 75%, so a far cry from the days when it would take 65 to 67% to win this contest. But then again, no surprise, the contestants went from t- over 1,800 last year to over 2,700 this year, a 50% increase. Listen to an interview with uh, one of the uh, directors at the or one of the supervisors at the Westgate yesterday. They expect last year or next year, or at least they're planning next year, that they could have 3,000 entries. And there's been talk that they will expand the number of paying places from the current number of 50. And they're thinking that the Super Contest Gold, which had 94 entries this year, might get uh, – close to 150 next year, and I'll get to that contest in a moment. Just wanted to wrap up the final standings. There were two contestants who finished a rather large two and a half points behind the winner. They had 59 points. It took a record of 52 points, slightly better than 61%, 61.2% to cash. Uh, the final 10 contestants who finished with those 52 points shared the four spots from four of uh, the final three spots paying spots rather from 48 49 and 50 there were 10 who share in that prize overall there were 106 of the 2748 contestants who had 51 points which translates over to 60 percent i mentioned 52 percent or 52 points was what it took to cash in the contest 
It took 52 points to win that Super Contest gold. Just 61.2%, or in other words, one point more, one win more than 60%, gave the winner 400 plus nearly $500,000, $470,000 winner take all. That contestant uh, won the contest by a half point over the second place finisher. The third place finisher was a point further back, but it didn't matter if you finished beyond first because only the first place winner uh, got paid. And the game that you referred to, that that Monday night miracle in Philadelphia where the Philadelphia Eagles returned that uh, uh, Oakland Raiders lateral a few times for a touchdown on the final play of the game to make the final margin nine in the contest. The point spread was eight and a half turned what could have been a loser into a winner. Very exciting finish, uh, certainly in the uh, Super Contest Gold, and I think that they may exceed the 150 entries last year when people realize that it took barely 60% to win that contest this year. Ouch. The guy that finishes in second place loses the money in the gold contest due to that miracle run back in the Oakland-Philadelphia football game. Now, that, Andy, is what I would call a bad beat unbelievable <laughs> that's a that's a that's a huge bad beat but remember there were other games like that this season there was that monday night game i think was washington and kansas city had a similar uh, fluky end and we've seen more fluky ends than i can recall or at least perception wise it seems that way it may not be uh, actually the greater number but it certainly seems that way because of the close attention we pay because of the more we get to see these games than we have say even five or eight years ago Unbelievable. Uh, and, you know, you also mentioned here, and I like what I'm hearing uh, as far as the committee, or at least Jay Cornegay and his crew at the Westgate, considering expanding payouts beyond 50 places in the Superbook contest. And I think that's only a given, a natural given, given the fact of how this contest has expanded uh, to what will, you say, maybe even be 3,000 entries next year. I'd love to see a top 100-place payout uh, that's still you know, not going too far in, in uh, beyond 50 places, but it would be rewarding at least to know that uh, you have a chance to at least maybe recoup your entry fee. And also, Andy, would I be wrong in suggesting that the gold contest, as it appears to maybe being 150 or maybe even 200 entries come next year, to pay out the top three places, win place and show, so that if a person's going to put up $5,000, they might have a chance to like the guy that got nipped in the Oakland-Philadelphia game to at least show a profit for his good work all season long? A, cu a couple of thoughts there. Number one, as far as the regular contest goes, I like the idea of paying perhaps the tops 100, but I think I might even modify it to make it a little bit more interesting. And based upon what we've seen this year, you had 106 of the uh, 2,748 entries uh, get a 60% record or better. I'd like to see the uh, contest perhaps pay anyone who gets at least 60%. What that means is you won't know what the payoffs are until the final week. In other words, they may decide what the top 50 places are or whatever, and then have sort of like what would be a variable fund to be distributed amongst those who hit that 60% level. Maybe they get their money back. Maybe they end up sharing a smaller prize, but you won't know until the final week because that seems like that might make it a little bit interesting for those people who are a shade below 50 uh, 60 percent in the final week or those just above 60 percent in the final week looking to protect their standing now as far as the super contest gold goes i like the thought of paying perhaps the top three but i believe the overall allure of the contest is that it is a true king of the hill winner take all and that if they were to pay the second or third place finisher maybe it would dilute the impact the wow factor although i could see perhaps 
what you might do is you might consider either a refund of the entry fee of 5000 for the second and third place finisher or maybe refund the entry fee plus a $5,000 profit so that they get back 10000 If that were the case this year, for example, the winner, instead of getting 474000 would have gotten 454000 with the second and third place finishers getting their entry fee back plus a profit. That might have a little bit, but I think what the, the, the wow factor says – Winner-take-all has a very nice thing, and I think if you're talking about a winner-take-all minus very minus that very small amount, the $20,000 that would pay be paid to second place, third place, I don't think that would dilute the wow factor of the winner of the quote-unquote winner-take-all aspect. Well, either way, there's going to be a lot of interest in this Superbook contest come next year, and I agree with Andy. I think we're going to see close to 3,000 entries in the contest, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the gold contest double as well, especially with the uh, with the publicity that VSIN has given the, the contest here this year. I was a little bit down on the fact that they didn't have the Superbook weekend uh, for everybody to come and uh, get some handicapping insight from a lot of uh, a, a lot of people in Las Vegas, if you will, and they, they instead instead broadcast everything over on Vison. But Vison has done a terrific job, I think, in promoting the contest for Jay Cornegay and the Westgate Superbook contest. And I'm sure we'll see Vison involved again next football season. We're visiting once again with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, before I get to your complimentary play on the football card, your final complimentary play for this 2017 football season, I know Victor's got a question he'd like to run by you as well. I certainly do, uh, Andy. Uh, excellent issue this week of the Logical Approach newsletter. Of course, your coverage of the NFL wildcard games and the national title game. Again, required reading available to logicalapproach.com or at playbooksuperstore.com. But uh, let me throw a scenario at you, Andy. Let's say I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I think this is the year for my Steelers. They get their revenge over New England in a potential playoff game in New England, and then they cruise and win the Super Bowl. At the current odds, a $100 wager would get me five seventy-five back on the Steelers if they win the Super Bowl, plus, of course, the original wager. But you suggest in this week's logical approach that there might be an alternative method toward betting the Steelers or any team that I like to win the Super Bowl that could actually get me even a little bit more value. Can you explain that? Well, it goes back to a concept that's become popularized, Victor, over the last, oh, seven or eight years as money line plays have become more popular. And we've had more mathematicians get involved in breaking down uh, the uh, the true odds of playing perhaps individual games and rolling the profits over, doing a true parlay. Remember, the definition of a parlay is really you make a wager, you take your proceeds, your original bet and your winnings, and you put it all on the next item of the parlay and you keep doing that rather than just play for example a three-team parlay that pays off at fixed odds you get a little bit more actually and i've done some studies a two-team and three-team parlay is not really too bad as far as the percentages between doing it that way and their traditional way once you start talking about four-team 
parlays, then it gets a bit expensive as far as what you're giving up in the advantages. But relating it to the futures market, you're basically looking at doing a money line parlay of rolling over the proceeds. So for example, you would take your $100 and you would bet it on the Pittsburgh Steelers in their first game, which will be a divisional round game against one of the winners of the wild card game. We don't know which one yet because there would be reseeding if there were upsets. Then you take the proceeds from that win if the Steelers win the divisional round. You take the entire amount and you play the Steelers again on the money line in what would be the AFC championship game where they would likely be an underdog after being a favorite in their first game they'd be a nice underdog to New England in the second game and assuming they win that game and your parlay remains alive you would then take the proceeds of that so let's say you went from uh, let's use a hundred dollars and for argument's sake let's say that uh, as a favorite in the first game uh, they end up winning seventy dollars based upon whatever the money line price would be so you would take the one 70 you would roll it over and let's say for argument's sake to keep the math simple you get two to one on your plus on your 170 in the game against new england so your 170 would win you 340 and so now you've got 510 to roll over into the super bowl let's say the super bowl is uh, let's say a pick em game depending upon who they would face out of the nfc they likely would be small underdogs if one of the if, say if Minnesota or uh, perhaps the uh, the Rams make it I think those are the two teams that would likely be favored over Pittsburgh but let's say it's a even money so you would take your $510 you'd play it on even money you would end up collecting $1020 meaning that you would then have made a profit of $920 and got paid off at odds of 9 to 1 rather than the current odds which are roughly 9 to 2 if you make the wager in advance in the old traditional way of playing futures now my example may have been a bit extreme but it's not far off because the point being illustrated is that if you roll over your proceeds each week starting with your original wager you normally will do better at the end of the line than if you just made the future bowl wager at the start of the playoffs on a team and just sit there and watched it good stuff andy Andy Isco, good stuff. Yes, explaining about uh, parlays and exactly where the value is in making parlays in situations like that. I know a lot of our listeners out there are big parlay and teaser type listeners as well. And Andy, before I let you go, once again, I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap, what you like on this week's NFL football playoff card. Well, Mark, one thing I, I did put in the newsletter this week is I did give a breakdown of the uh, various rounds of the playoffs. And in the wild card round, the straight-up winner of the game covers the point spread most often of the four rounds, wild card, divisional, conference championship, and Super Bowl. In fact, since 1990, when they had this changed format, the straight-up winner is 92 12 and 4 against the spread. That's 89%. So if you pick the straight up winner in this round, you're more likely to cash your ticket uh, than in the other three rounds of the playoffs. They're still pretty high in the other three, but nothing like this 89% or 88.5% to be precise. We've got four solid favorites in this game. I'm going to take a look at one of the underdogs in the AFC. I'm going to look at the game between Kansas City and Tennessee. Uh, both of these teams have uh, had successful seasons. Kansas City had a very odd season, a very streaky with the wins at the beginning, the 5-0 and start, then losing, what was it, the 6 out of 7, and then winning, I believe it was, 4 uh, in a row to close the season. Tennessee was 8-4 and in the top of the AFC South. Uh, late in the season, they lost three straight and then barely hung on to make the playoffs. They did control their own fate and they beat Jacksonville, the division winner, in week 17. The success for Tennessee comes in their ability to defense the run. Uh, of their 
16 games this year, they held 11 foes to under 100 rushing yards and three other foes to 116 yards or less. So only uh, in a couple of games this year, three games this year, actually, did they allow more than 116 rushing yards in a, uh, in a excuse me, two times 100, uh, more than 116 yards in a contest. Kansas City is uh, more of a conservative offense later in the year than they were, say, in that week one game at New England. I'm looking at the Tennessee Titans. Don't expect them to win the game, but this is one game where I do expect the points to come into play. I think part of the reason why also I look for the underdog to have success here, or at least certainly in one of the games, is because of those high point spreads. I pointed out before the number of games that were priced at uh, six and a half or less and even at a field goal or less where, yeah, if you win the game laying a field goal or less, you are more likely to cover. It's when you start getting into these uh, ranges around a touchdown or so that the points do come into play. I like the Tennessee Titans because of their defensive ability and their own ability to run the football. They don't have to rely as much on the quarterback play of Marcus Mariota, as does Alex Smith of the Kansas City Chiefs, also more of a game manager. He's got more weapons, but the ability of the Tennessee Titans to play defense. Mention the yards per game number. Yards per rush, another key indicator, 3.6 yards per rush. So if you're not going up against a heavily pass-oriented team, uh, the uh, defense will have success for the Tennessee Titans. And it's been mentioned uh, throughout the season how how when uh, Kareem Hunt has that great running game, the Kansas City Chiefs are almost unbeatable when he struggles, when the rushing attack struggles, uh, Kansas City struggles as well. So I think those ingredients set into place a Kansas City win, but wouldn't be surprised if it's by under a touchdown. The current line, eight, rising a little bit to eight and a half, just seems too much for Kansas City to be laying in this contest. Andy Isco plays Tennessee plus the points against Kansas City with a cautionary note about the straight-up winners in wild-card rounds in this touchdown-plus range. He's going to take advantage of that with Tennessee plus the points against Kansas City. By the way, Kansas City, folks, just 1-10 straight up and against the spread their last 11 playoff games as well going into that football game. Andy, as always, a great job once again on the show this week. I'm going to thank you very much for your contributions this football season here. Greatly appreciated. I get nothing but positive response from all of our listeners out there. They look forward to your segment each and every week on the show. And I'll look forward to having you join us for March Madness when the NCAA basketball tournament begins in March as well. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck with the playoffs and basketball season moving forward. Mark, Victor, it's been a pleasure joining you once again this season. I look forward to a nice stretch run in the NFL. And when we meet again in March, we'll be talking about perhaps the second best time of the year to be in Las Vegas. Super Bowl may be number one. March Madness, clearly number two. Great job once again, Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. And when we come back, we'll put the final wraps on the final show for the 2017 football season. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week along with Victor and my complimentary plays. And we're back in just a brief moment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. 
Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our final awesome angle of the week on this week's show. It's called Writing a Wrong. Writing a Wrong. And what we're looking to do is to play on any NFL home team in the playoffs. If they lost straight up as a favorite in the playoffs last year, and they're taking on an opponent that comes in off a straight-up and point-spread win. These teams that were embarrassed in a losing effort as a favorite in the playoffs last year do really well at home the following year if they make the playoffs, having gone 34-13 and 13 against the spread since 1980. That's a 72% winning record. The play will be on the Kansas City Chiefs against Andy's Tennessee Titans for our writing a wrong, awesome angle play on the football card this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out Victor's complimentary play on the show and what he's got on tap this week at King Creole Sports. Victor, if you would. Okay, well, our NFL playoff over-under selections, Mark, they will be up on the website by Friday. Let's not forget pro basketball as well. We touched on it at the beginning of the show. Playbook goes to an all-basketball publication Issue number one comes out, uh, it looks like, this coming Thursday, just after 8 o'clock Eastern. And also, uh, we've had a very good uh, first couple of month period for the Playbook NBA totals today. One-page spreadsheet if you play NBA over-unders. It's definitely required reading, available each day for download at the playbook.com website. And with that said, that's where we will head for our um, free play of the week, a Thursday night game in the NBA. There's only two games scheduled for Thursday, January the 4th. It's the TNT doubleheader. Golden State against Houston in the first game. Oklahoma City against the L.A. Clippers in the nightcap. And Mark, we're going to be going over the total in that nightcap game. Oak City against the L.A. Clippers. They have not set an over-under line as of yet for that game on Thursday night. I am assuming we're going to get a line somewhere in the range of 206 to 210 points. Both teams have played each other once this season back in Oak City in November. The Thunder won 120 to 111, uh, 231 points scored. The game went over the total by 21 points. It's been a pretty high-scoring series between these two teams, 4-1. and one. The last five meetings, Oak City is starting to turn it on on offense now, 110 or more points in three of their last four. They are a little bit angry winning as, excuse me, losing as a big home favorite against Dallas on New Year's Eve. They were seven and a half point home favorite over underline 203. That game against Dallas totaled 229 points. 
So it looks like the Thunder has finally found their offense, and there should be a lot of points against the Clippers team who played just last night. That would be Tuesday night against Memphis. And this was a strong indicator of a team that's on the rise in the regards to overs. Memphis, one of the best under-road teams in the NBA. That was not the case last night as the Clippers beat them 113-105. to 105. The over-under went over by uh, double digits in that particular game. And, in fact, if you take a look at the Clippers' scoring as of late, it's been all about the overs. 113, 106, 121, 122, 112, 128. So it should be some fun viewing in the second half of the TNT doubleheader on Thursday night. We're going over the total with the Thunder and Clippers game. And then don't forget our NFL playoff over-under selections available at the website beginning on Friday. Victor King goes over the total Thursday night in the NBA on the Oak City LA Clippers game for his complimentary play on the show this week. And once again, I want to remind our listeners to follow the NBA totals today, every day, every day other than Thursdays, online at playbook.com. You can download it. It's practically free. That's as close as I can say to being free. It's practically free. (laughs) Check it out, the NBA totals today, online at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show today, I want to remind our listeners that my friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering a up to 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Get a 50% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 when you open up an account at mybookie.ag today. Log on now at mybookie.ag or call them toll-free. The number is 1-844-866-BETS. That's 1-844-866-2387. And use the promo code PLAYBOOK to get your up to $1,000 sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag. A quick note here that my Super Bowl Super Package is now available. This is a fantastic offer for all Playbook and listeners of our podcast show. You can receive every selection play I make from now through the Super Bowl, including NBA and college basketball as no-charge bonuses, including this weekend's NFL wildcard play of the year, my NFL playoff game of the year down the road, for just $199 complete. To take advantage, log on at playbook.com or call my office toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777. Or if you're inclined, you can join me for a $99 football weekend of winners this weekend and pick up that NFL wildcard play of the year. It's all available at playbook.com. My complimentary play on the football show this week, I'm going to go back to Victor's side in our featured NFL playoff game between the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. And I'm going to go under the total in that football game, agreeing with Victor as well. I mentioned that this is a same-season double revenge matchup. These are rare birds. There's only been 11 of them since 2000 in the playoffs here. Seven of those 11 games have gone under the total. In a matchup of two teams that know each other really rather well, obviously playing in the same division, we're going to go under the total in the Saints-Panthers game for my complimentary play on the show today. That's going to put the final wraps on the final show of Mark Lawrence against the spread for the 2017 football season. A great job all season long by our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco, joining us each and every week from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. And until March Madness, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, This is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.